Blog Talk Radio. going to get so swollen, I won't sit in the door. <laughs> and we're here to answer all your questions on love, life, career, and whatever is on your mind. So give us a call at 646-381-4141. Last week, we talked a lot about the fear of intimacy. Tonight, we're talking about love addiction, what it is, and how to deal with it. And Dr. Cirillo and I will be taking your calls later tonight right here live. So stick around. We've got a great show in store for you. This will be a fun and exciting show with lots of valuable information, so stay tuned. Our number again is 646-381-4141. Before we get started on tonight's topic, I just want to mention that um, Julie isn't with us tonight. She's sick. And... Frank's a bit under the weather, but he has um, um, kindly, you know, uh, agreed to be here to help us along. So, Frank, do you want to say hello to everybody and let them hear that you don't sound so, you don't sound your normal, <laughs> vibrant self? Oh, I'm, I'm vibrating in some wavelength, I guess, Not non-psychic one, I guess, but yes, I'm, uh-huh. I'm doing all right. Hello, everybody. Hi, Frank. Too bad we don't have our healing people here today. I know. Get that one guy to delete my sickness. I know, right? (laughs) I was just thinking about that. Well, I will send you lots of healing energy um, uh, tonight and while we're doing the show and after the show, so hopefully you'll start feeling better. But we do appreciate you being on the show. Um, For tonight, I want to talk about love addiction because last week we talked about the fear of intimacy, and, and that's actually very tied into tonight's topic. And, you know, when, when I talk about love addiction, most people right away think of something a lot different than, than, than what it is. I mean, typically they think of, oh, God, someone who's addicted to love, you know, they, they thrive on, yes, they do thrive on the feeling of, of, you know, love addiction, but most people think that people who are addicted to love actually are in, you know, these vibrant, intense, um, really dynamic kind of relationships. But, you know, when, when we look deeper into this tonight, I think you're going to see that there's another side of what really lurks under the surface with love addiction. You know, I always say to my clients, and I say this a lot in workshops and, and seminars, that the key ingredients to true love are the three C's, chemistry, communication, and compromise. So when you add to that honesty, I feel you have some of the real key ingredients to true love. But, you know, true love is, 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 is about, 
you know, knowing yourself, knowing who you are, and allowing yourself to be known by another person. And this, this really means that you have to be open and vulnerable. You have to allow yourself to be that way. And, you know, it's really, when, when you're in a healthy relationship, it's really about building, you know, intimacy, intimacy through honesty and, and sharing, when you're, sharing yourself with very clearly defined boundaries. And love addiction is not really about love, and I'm going to ask Dr. Cirillo about that in a minute, but, you know, on the surface, a love addict looks like they're pursuing love, often with a vengeance, but in reality, they're, they're running away from true intimacy. Love addiction relationships are often destructive to one, of both, one or both of the individuals involved. You know, we can love someone so much that we stay in a relationship in spite of the fact that, you know, uh, you're either being emotionally hurt or, or, God forbid, physically abused. And some people stay in relationships because they're afraid of being alone, because they need somebody to love them. Um, and, and often it's because they don't feel okay about themselves. Um, you know, I, I guess one of the key ingredients which ties into the self-esteem issues with love addiction is that, you know, when you, when you value somebody more than yourself, you're really setting your, yourself up for situations, you know, such as this. But, you know, as a psychic and a life coach, uh, on a regular basis, I deal with countless number of people each month that are dealing with this type of thing. And it, and it manifests in men and women who, who hang on endlessly to failed romances or to partners who do not honor or respect them. And often people who are dealing with love addiction define their own happiness through their partners. Um, you know, it, 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 it sometimes manifests, or we sometimes see it when men, men, men or women um, consistently pick a partner who is emotionally unavailable, and that's really a prime example. And, and I can't tell you what percentage, I mean, it's such a high percentage, probably 70-some-odd percent, if not higher, of um, my regular clients are people who are dealing in situations like that. Um, also, we see this when men and women frequently sabotage relationships or men or women who can't express their true feelings and, and you know, in a relationship, and, and the list truly goes on and on. But, Dr. Cirillo, from a psychological standpoint with love addiction, what's the psychological explanation of it? Well, the psychological explanation, Explanation is like with any other addiction, uh, you can never get enough of what you really don't need. Uh, there was something that was missing in the past, and at some point, you know, I always talk about Carl Jung's theory of love, that we all fall in love with the fantasy of our own ideal self, and we project that onto another person, and that's why sometimes it might be somebody that's so... Uh, inappropriate and we don't see it like the extremes of someone who's physically um, abusive or who's not the right person for us, but like any other addiction, the more you take of it, the less satisfaction it gives you and you keep coming back, you can't, you, you feel terrible without it, but after a while you don't feel that great with it either. And you keep looking for new sources of satisfaction because the new sources get the hormones going again. That's why love addicts are often very promiscuous because when you first meet somebody, your, new, your hormones go for this new partner. 
the dopamine and everything in your brain gets excited. Then you settle down. It becomes passive. It seems boring. So you have to look for something new. That's why the addiction, like any other addiction, you're never really satisfied. And, and that I hear that so often um, with with people who you know either come to me for psychic readings or as a life coach um, that you know men will come into their lives they're going to be gun ho at the beginning they're going to, in fact I think one of our mailbag questions uh, deals with this today as well you know where they chase they chase they chase they chase they chase and once they really get what they want I guess then that that oomph you know that that addictive nature isn't being satisfied anymore and then these guys just disappear into never never land I mean yeah yeah that's what happens they keep looking for no uh, sources of stimulation um you you had mentioned something which I think is one of the key ingredients um, here and that's, you said, um, oftentimes this happens. Somebody gets caught up in this love addiction type of, um, you know, uh, a problem or, or symptoms um, or characteristics. I don't know what we should call it. But it, it often happens. Why? I mean, what's, what's the root cause? I think you said that it's something that is unfulfilled from the childhood. Right. It's something that's unfulfilled uh, within them, and that's why they could never find it on the outside. There's yeah, something well missing on, on the inside. So they're looking well, for it in the wrong place. And that's what we talk about a lot here on the show is that, you know, if, if the, the work always has to be done with, the, with each person individually. And until you have sort of patched up all those gaping holes that we all have to some degree from our childhoods, because very few of us, you know, grow up in an idyllic kind of environment. Um, where all our needs are are met and we're 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 being totally nurtured and and validated, so most of us grow up with some sort of issues going on, and until we clear out all that stuff, we're going to be resonating in that frequency, and unfortunately, we end up drawing that type of thing back to us and anytime we look external to ourselves for for anything, um, we're in big trouble because that's that's not what's permanent that's not what what truly is going to make us happy in any way, shape, or form. Um, one, one thing that jumps out at me, though, with love addiction, I see, anyhow, is oftentimes people who are involved in these kinds of relationships have a very huge inability to trust. Now, is that part of it, Dr. Cirillo? Well, they don't trust others. In order to trust others, you have to first trust yourself, and they know how... Uh, unpredictable they are that they could love somebody one minute and hate them the next and be indifferent the next. So they expect that everybody else is like them. They really don't understand mature love where the passion might not be that high, but it's enduring and there's a friendship attached to that. They don't understand friendship with privileges and it's now called on dating sites. They they really don't understand that. They only understand the passion and the stimulation and the excitement. And, and of course, that's not what love and that's not what living is about. So, so they're setting themselves up to fall. And they imagine everybody's like them. Um, you know, something else that I see a lot with, with love addiction is when people end up sort of, you know, scheduling their whole lives to accommodate um, this person that they're either trying to win over or that they are involved with, is that also something that you traditionally see with love, love addiction? 
Yeah, well, it depends. With love addiction, you see them trying to win over the love and, and constantly having having jealousy fits and seeing signs that the person doesn't love them and pressuring the person so much that eventually they push the person away and the person really doesn't love them because they're so needy, you know, they're expecting 100%, 150% of their gratification to come from that person. And as we talk about, usually marriages and relationships fail because we expect too much from them. A person might be a wonderful person, but, uh, you know, for whatever reason, they don't want to go shopping with you. So you have to find a female friend to go with. Or it doesn't mean that, that they have to be with you constantly. But the love addict is constantly worried when they're away from their love object. What is he or she doing? They must be, they must right. be cheating on me. Yeah, right. so they can never really relax with them or without them. Right, that's that's a big um, characteristic that I see with love addiction, and that's that no matter where the people are or what they're doing, they're so uh, obsessively thinking about what it is that this person of their interest, you know, is doing thinking, and it just seems like their whole life circulates around somebody else. And and again, that's a topic that we often talk about here on this show, how you know you have to honor yourself. If you're not honoring yourself, then you're going to be drawing in experiences that don't honor you. And I, I just feel there's there's a ton of stuff, um, and and we've probably only you know uh, talked about you know a small fraction of re- what really falls under the umbrella of love addiction. But it's a heck of a lot more than what people think it is. And and I know that a lot of people think that love addiction is just somebody who's chasing after love constantly. And yes, they are. But it's not because they're they're so happily in love. It's often it's not often, but it is because they're truly um, dealing with the fear of intimacy, and they're trying, as you said, Dr. Cirillo, trying so hard to um, appease their inner pain by filling it up with all this stuff that they think or want to get from the outer world but, uh, you know, really are not getting it. So we're going to be talking more about um, both the fear of intimacy and love addiction throughout the show today, but... um, I think it's probably getting time for Skype. Or what? What comes around this time? I believe that's Our, the Skywatch report. Yes. Oh, thanks. Yes. Hi. Yeah, we we hesitated. I thought we lost you again. Oh, no, no it, it it certainly is time for Sky McKenna's Skywatch report. Remember to visit Sky at her website at skymckenna.com. Hello, everybody. This is Sky McKenna with my weekly Skywatch Energy Report. This is a review of the energies for the upcoming week. And if you miss any of this, you can re-listen each week in the archives, or you can go to my website, skymckenna.com, and click the link near the top of the page. You can also read the Energy Report on my blog. There's a link at the top of my website for that, too. So, we've got the wind in our backs. We're still holding on to our hats. Here's the week ahead in eight minutes or less. And this, then, is for the week beginning Sunday, September 12th, 2010. Well, this is the week that we can finally move forward. Not only does our little friend Mercury return to direct motion, but so does Pluto. And Mars shifts gears and enters his own sign of Scorpio. This means that we can finally hit the ground running and with a lot of passion. And finally, on Sunday, September 12th, Mercury turns direct and Venus will form an aspect of opportunity to Pluto at the same time, after being retrograde since last August 20th. 
For these last three weeks, we may have been encouraged to rethink and retune things in our lives that needed some revision. And now finally, it's time to communicate all the great ideas that may have percolated to the surface of our thoughts. All of our communications can become clearer, and we should know now, or be on the tip of knowing, what decisions need to be made. But we do need to take it slow as we come out of mental hibernation and put one foot in front of the other until we regain our new balance. And at the same time, Venus and Pluto are asking us to take personal relationships to deeper levels now and in a more authentic way. We could also receive a financial opportunity that brings us profit these couple of days, so we need to keep our eyes open and not miss anything. Also, this energy can bring a time of ramped up creativity, so use it wisely and well. And on Monday, September 13th, Pluto also returns to direct motion after turning retrograde last April 6th, and his stationary position will be focusing us on transformation. It's very possible that we'll be experiencing mental or emotional earthquakes and a profound shift in how we approach any deep changes needed in our lives. Hopefully, we've already let go of what hasn't been working for us, so that now we're able to stand up strongly on a new powerful foundation. This is a major time of major changes, and a time when our most authentic selves can be reborn. And while we may expect shifting power struggles or even some losses of things that truly have just been holding us back, we can also expect to sense a new empowering strength that we didn't even know we had. Then on Tuesday, September 14th, Mars swaggers into Scorpio and joins with Venus, who's already there. Mars will be in his own sign until October 27th, and this will be a time of sheer determination to achieve our goals. That's the name of the game, and extremes can seem very attractive to us, too. This is a very intense energy, and it will also be an excellent time for us to go full out in pursuing our goals, especially since Mercury and Pluto have also both turned to direct motion, and hopefully our dreams and goals are fresh new ones after all this turning within energy we've experienced over the past several months. And on Saturday, September 18th, we have another very big day, energetically speaking. Jupiter will conjunct Uranus, and Mars will form a 60-degree angle of opportunity with intense Pluto. All of this adds up to an extremely powerful time that will connect our wisdom, intuition, brilliance, and immense potential, and added to all the other forward movement around us this week. These couple of days can be a time when our brilliant ideas almost burst forth from us. And also, these energies can literally break us free from old tethers and restraints. So if there's an area of life where we've been struggling to see the light of day, this could be that day. And if there are people, places, or things, or even beliefs that need to be removed from our lives, we could shock ourselves with the speed that we release it all in one fell swoop. So we need to recognize this as a time of intense and powerful energy, get ready for action and movement, and reconnect with our passion, our purpose, and our new direction. Now this week I want to talk about how and where Mercury's return to direct motion will affect each sign, and this will apply to your sun sign and rising ascendant sign if you know it. Aries, finally your work, health, and daily routine can move forward, and you'll be ready to put a lot of new ideas into action in your daily life and on the job that will streamline things and open new doors for you. Taurus, your romance, pleasure, and enjoyment all step up now, and you'll probably be ready to change things around in some relationships and move forward in a new creative way. Gemini, anything that's been held back in your home and family life can finally move forward now, and communications in, about, or surrounding your home or family can suddenly get very clear. Cancer, all of your communications can step up and get very clear for you now. Be prepared for calls and emails to fly, and any documents or agreements that may have felt bound up are ready to materialize for you. 
Leo, new ideas for new and improved sources of income burst onto the scene, and payments that may have been withheld can arrive in a very short time. Virgo, you can move forward in your personal life now, and you can confidently make changes that you've been mulling over. New information that affects you personally can literally arrive at your doorstep. Libra, you could receive some valuable information that's been withheld from you. Your waking and sleeping dreams can also accelerate and pay off in a very big way. Scorpio, your hopes and wishes get a new lease on life. Things you've almost given up on resurface for another look. And also, look to your friends and associates to bring some welcome news to you, too. Sagittarius, if you feel like your career has been stalled or on hold, get ready for things to move forward now. New ideas for a new direction will be percolating to the surface, so be ready to take action. Capricorn, big expansion in your life is coming. There's movement and travel, possible new educational opportunities that will open even more vistas for you. Think outside the box. Aquarius, shared income or other people's money will be released to you. This could even be a raise in pay for you or someone close to you, and you can make a gamble pay off now. Pisces, communication with your close partners, marriage or business will be moving forward now. Suddenly, everyone will have a new understanding that will smooth your life's path. Well, that's a wrap for this week's edition of the Skywatch Energy Report. And remember, if you miss any of this, you can re-listen each week in the archives or visit my website, SkyMcKenna.com, and the link is right there at the top of the page. And you'll also find a link to my new blog if you'd like to read the energy report. And remember, the animals still need your help. You can feed a homeless animal with just the click of the mouse. It's absolutely, positively, no questions asked free. In 2009, your clicks equaled 92 million bowls of food for homeless animals. So just go to TheAnimalRescueSite.com and click on the purple button that says, Click here, it's free. Well, that's about it for this week. And remember, you never lose by loving. You always lose by holding back. So till next time, take good care, God bless, and namaste. That was Sky McKenna with uh, another amazing report. Just want to remind you all that phone lines are open. Please call 646-381-4141 to speak with Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo. They're here to answer all of your questions. So again, that's 646-381-4141 to get expert advice on all that troubles you. And remember that if you don't get on the air tonight, please send us your questions at mailbag at ladyfontaine.com. That's mailbag at ladyfontaine.com. Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo will also be selecting a few questions of those each week to answer live on each show. That's like getting a free reading, so don't miss that incredible opportunity. Send those questions now, mailbag at ladyfontaine.com. If you don't want your real name used on the air, please let Lady Fontaine know in the text of your message. But in order for your question to be answered, you will need to provide us with your real names and some background on the specific question that you have. We'll honor your requests and for your anonymity, of course. So tonight, Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo will be take, talking more about uh, love addiction. And they'll be taking calls right after the mailbag question. So again, give us a call, 646-381-4141. That's 646-381-4141. Ladies? Yeah, I'm here. I'm it's here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We're waiting for you, Craig. Oh. Do you want to do the mailbag question? Well, absolutely. I just wanted to have any words about the sky. The sky well, I was going to mention it, but you you sort of you sort of uh, worded it so well when you said that she has an amazing report. But we 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 so enjoy having Sky McKenna's 
um, weekly Skywatch report. And to learn more about Sky, please visit her at her website at skymckenna.com. Or check out my show page here on Blog Talk Radio. There is a link to her website. You can also listen to Sky live on the air on Monday mornings at 11 a.m. Pacific time on Achieve Radio. That's AchieveRadio.com. Tell Sky you heard about her here. All right. So how about a mailbag question? Okay. How about a mailbag question? This one is oddly appropriate for what you guys are talking about. It starts, Dear Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo. You have a great show, and I enjoy it very much. Last week, when you talked about fear of intimacy, I was so surprised when I realized you were talking about me. I didn't even know that my problem fell into that category, but unfortunately, I think it does. So I wanted to ask you how I get out of this mess and how to heal. I met Pierre more than four years ago. We had an amazing connection. He was very attentive and caring at first, and it was great. Within a few months, he began getting less interested, and that made me more interested. It is now three and a half years later, and we still see each other now and then. And I know I'm obsessing over him, and I don't know how to stop. 90% of the time, uh, he isn't calling or waiting to see me, yet I think about him all the time. Well, until I met Sean. Sean and I met one evening and hit it off right away. Before the end of the night, we were intimate, which is not my normal M.O. That was three weeks ago, and I've not heard him, heard from him since then. I'm besides myself. All I can do is think of him. In the mean, Pierre re-entered my life briefly, and we were at a party, and both of us had too much to drink, and he was telling me about how much he loved and cared for me, and I blew him off because all I could think of was Sean. Do I call Sean? Do I email him or text him? How do I get him to come back? And how do I stop obsessing and start building this into a lasting relationship? Is there hope? By the way, I haven't heard from Pierre either, so I'm lost. But I'm surprised that right now, my thoughts are mostly with Sean. He was fun and handsome and exciting. That's Terry from Spokane. So that's Terry, Sean, and Pierre are the names involved. All right. Wow. Um, you want to go first, Dr. Cirillo? Yeah, that's another one that slipped through her fingers. So now when she had the chance for Pierre, uh, she wasn't thinking about him until he was gone. And this fits in with the idea of ideal love. When the person isn't there, it's very easy to idealize them because the imaginary lover is everything you want. You write all the parts. But as soon as they're there, they become real, and that takes away some of the wonder. Now, my sense about Sean is that she moved in too quickly, and, you know, sometimes a one-night stand, this, this guy, she really doesn't know him. He might always be out for one-night stands, or he, he might uh, have not wanted to turn a one-night stand into anything more intense, but she really didn't know him that well, so he was like an open blank screen for her to project anything onto. Uh, Pierre seemed to come back to her. He might have been interested again, or he revealing his real feelings under alcohol. Uh, you know, I, I mean, it's, an, it's a long-term enduring friendship. By why it doesn't progress to the next level, either he's just not that into her, as the movie and the book would say, 
Or uh, something else is going on that when he's into her, she pushes him away and then obsesses about him. You know, I'm really not sure what, what's going on, but he certainly has more reality just because of the time he's been around than, than this new person. Mm-hmm. Well, what I pick up on, on the situation with Pierre is that she does not push him away when when he does step forward. I feel, I, I, honestly, on, on the, uh, it, it feels to me that he's, Stepping forward very infrequently, to me it feels like a couple of times, maybe a few times a year, and for very small periods of time. I would say a couple of days or maybe a week here and there. And and I do feel that he steps forward when he wants something, be it the emotional closeness, the physical intimacy, the something from her. I don't feel he's just stepping forward to say, hey, how you doing, let's go for a drink or let's go for breakfast or something like that. And and I don't feel he's doing any of those kinds of things. You know, there's something that I'm picking up in, in the connection between the two of them, which I, I feel is very kind of like what I want to say indicative of, of what I often see with love addiction situations or even the fear of intimacy, and that's a very dynamic connection. Now, I'm not saying that all dynamic connections mean that there's an obsessive tendency or, or, or an addiction or anything like that. But this one in particular feels to me that they're complementing all of each other's weaknesses and, and strengths in a way. And, and it actually is a very, very strong and very, very intense connection. But I feel a big chunk of what's going on is something that, Dr. Cirillo, you and I talk about a lot, and that's that the little that he steps forward, I feel she clears the slate for him. She's always mm. available. Always so she's available. too available. Okay, exactly. it's like another one-night stand, but it's a one-night stand that lasts three and a half years. Exactly. Exactly. And that's... And, well, we're getting a lot of technical stuff on. You hear What's now? that? I don't know. Somebody taking exception to what we're saying? Oh, no, I think it sounds like robots or something. Oh, my God, it sounds like, it sounded like water, like somebody was flushing a toilet or somebody was fighting what we were saying. I'm going to bow out, so cover for me, Dr. Cirillo. Okay, okay, you've got to, yeah, you've got to figure what's going on. Uh, okay. I don't, I don't know, do we have any phone calls waiting? Is Frank available? Uh, anybody waiting on our line? Six four six three eight one four one four one. I don't know. I've been uh, taping a movie that had to do with demons and ghosts, but more like demons. And they say that demons are never really stuck in one place, but can follow you around, float around into the air or the airwaves if necessary. And I'm wondering, because recently a few strange things have happened, and now this. At first I thought somebody was listening. Okay, did you fix the problem? What was the problem? I was was thinking of demons. Same thing just happened to me, actually. Yeah. What? I I think that's a problem with Blog Talk Radio. The same exact thing happened to me. So um, some minor technical difficulties. Everything has been fixed now. So, uh, So, okay. So back to the situation with Pierre. 
So I'm feeling a, a chunk of it, a very significant chunk, is her her what uh, her name was Terry. Terry's availability to Pierre, and I feel that she has sort of trained him to have this open door policy because I feel a very nice. I mean, it's a very strong connection between the two of them now. Um, I find it interesting, though, that that she did say that. Very, I think she said recently that he reentered her life, and and you know he was telling her how much he loved her and how much he cared for her. I believe that was a first. From what I feel in the energy, I do not feel that he has allowed himself to be that open with his feelings um, before this. Incident, and honestly, uh, Dr. Cirillo, when somebody's drinking and they they start opening up, isn't that usually that their inhibitions are down and they're starting to speak the truth? Oh yeah, well that's what that's what I was saying. That there's a part of him that feels attached to her, although he has a lot of uh, outside distractions, uh, and she's really not getting the good side of him. As you said, it seems like he comes running back to her when he's feeling weak or when he needs a boost some intimacy, and why buy the cow if you can get the milk whenever you want it? Right, right. So, why so commit think, to the cow? Right. <laughs> so I feel the, the key for, for Terry here is understanding this process and really what's, come, what's going on and starting to honor herself more. I mean, if she's not getting anything out of this or she's getting minimal out of the relationship with either of these men, then um, don't don't jump when they come in and, and make them the center of your of her universe because the more she does that, the more they're going to, you know, I mean, it, to me, that's rewarding the negative behavior. I mean, they're getting what's, what's penetrating into their skulls and their brains is, oh, okay, well, I don't have to do anything because every time I step forward, she's totally there for me. And, and I feel that that sets up the whole dynamics of that more, more abusive type, type of um, behavior that, that I feel she's seeing right now. So does it have potential? Somewhat. But I am concerned because she only did tell us about these two specific situations. Um, but it does feel like to some degree they're, they're, she's right. I mean, um, you know, some of the stuff we've been talking about for the past two weeks does really describe her very well. So from a treatment standpoint, I mean, you know, from a, a coaching standpoint, I would say learn how to honor yourself. Be aware of the problem. Uh, write up a contract with yourself and, and, and really stipulate very specifically things that you want to change and behavior that you're not going to do anymore. You know, even down to specifics, when he calls, I'm not going to be available and things of that nature. Working on defining your boundaries and getting more healthy boundaries. Dr. Cirillo, what else? What else can she do? Well, as I always say, you know, it sounds like the part of the reason that she jumps when when either of these men appear is that she doesn't have too much other excitement in her life. She's got to find a life for herself outside of these guys so that she has things that provoke her passion and enjoyment and excitement things that she loves to do, and then she's coming at the world not with lack but with some kind of uh, intensity that, that draws people in because they see when you look like you're having a good time and you have a lot to do and you're an exciting person, all of a sudden you attract everybody. So when she least needs these men, 
she's projecting too much neediness, then she's going to get the bad side of them. When she doesn't need them so much, she she will probably get a a more committed, uh, interested side, if not from them, from somebody who's more appropriate. Well, that's excellent advice because, again, I mean, that follows what we were saying before. When you try to get your satisfaction and happiness from anything external to yourself, you're setting yourself up for failure. So as Dr. Cirillo said, you know, work on on having a life, even if it's doing things like, you know, volunteer work or, um, you know, uh, getting a second job or whatever it is that really would wet your whistle or would occupy your time will give you that exposure to meeting new people um, and will open up new opportunities for you. I mean, it's, you know, sitting home and waiting for that phone to ring is probably the worst thing that any man or woman can do in any relationship. Um, Frank, could I ask you for your male opinion of this? Frank. Oh, Frank. Uh Uh-oh. Frank is starting to disappear on us. We must be projecting meaningless. Look what what our man does. Well, apparently we're not going to get the male opinion here. (laughs) I guess not. But I I would would be curious to know. I mean, Frank is a genuinely nice guy, and he's, yeah, he's yeah. I feel, very sincere, right. you know, in that. relationships. So I don't think that he would exhibit these types of behaviors, but I just was curious to get a male's point of view on this. Frank, are you around? Oh, wow. Okay. I think he, I think he you know, we're having some technical issues tonight. Yeah, um, apparently, apparently, Frank, I think, got cut off and I believe he's back now. Frank. Um did you did you <laughs> I, we're trying to get your the male opinion on this particular male bail question. Uh, the first one. The one where, you know, the guys come into her life for a very short period of time and then disappear. Well I I mean um to be honest, I, I actually got disconnected. Uh, I don't want to keep talking about technical difficulties, but I, I didn't hear a good chunk of what you guys were discussing. Okay. okay. Um, uh, so far as the actual letter, um, I honestly think it's one of those uh, things you can't have. I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm echoing something that you guys probably said already. It uh, sounds like um, sort of a forbidden fruit sort of complex where um, this guy is not with her and people don't like to think that they are not important, not good enough. So if someone shows you how great you are, usually, you know, you can't necessarily have a one-night stand without getting somewhat attached. Uh, most good people are, are would tend to feel that way. That it's beyond them to think, how could this person not want to talk to me, or not want to be with me again? It couldn't be one-sided, because if it's one-sided, then is that cheapening what I'm feeling? And I guess what I would say, if from my perspective, is don't think like that. Don't think that what you're feeling is any less important because someone else doesn't share it with you. However, don't dwell on it. I would say to this uh, to this person, um, unfortunately, this could be just an infatuation with that which what you cannot have, or rather, which seems like doesn't want you. And it's a harsh reality. But there are people out there who will want you. Um, this Pierre guy being one of them. But if I were you, I would not go backwards. And keep moving forward. 
find somebody else. Find the next guy who's head over heels about you. And don't worry about the ones that you have to chase. Well, that's that's a good point. The ones that you have to chase might not be worth it, especially if you catch them. Well, so there are other letters here if you want me to. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, we'll take one more letter and then we're going and then we're going to start taking calls. But let's hit, let's have one more letter. Okay. We always have great letters. Dear Lady Fontaine and Dr. Jean Cirillo, why do I always pick men that are unavailable? Ah. Well, to be honest, it doesn't start that way. At the beginning, they are very they are very available and attentive, and as soon as I fall for them. Off they go. No calling. They begin a cycle of being inconsistent. Sometimes they disappear for a day, weeks, or even months. But I think about them every day, and I labor over them. It interferes with my work, with everything. This happens relationship after relationship, and I don't know what to do. I find myself always on edge and full of anticipation when I'm in a relationship because I don't ever feel secure in love. I can give you a hundred examples of times this has happened, and they will all be the same. Help. What do I do? I really want to be in love and to love and have it reciprocated. After listening to last week's show, I know it is my issue, but what do I do and how do I fix it? Now, this is Sally. Who sent this letter? Sally. Um, you know, again, this is very similar to what we were talking about earlier, and even the, the dynamics of this situation are very, very similar to our previous mailbag question. Um, you know, uh, I, there, was a, there was a line in here that I feel said it all, and she said, I don't ever feel secure in love. And when she doesn't feel secure in love, and that means she's not feeling secure about something within herself, and what we were talking about earlier about filling those, filling your own holes, not trying to jam, you know, a relationship or a man or a love, you know, situation into these gaping holes that we all have. Um, instead of doing that, work on trying to fill those holes. Now, Dr. Cirillo gave and mentioned it a few times tonight about working on um, finding, finding things other than just, you know, thinking about this guy um, or, or a series of men in, in this particular situation, um, which, which is a great thought. And, you know, sometimes we need to go, you know, to a support group. Sometimes um, going to a life coach or a therapist or something to help us work through and understand what it is within ourselves that is causing us to draw in these situations. But, you know, what concerns me about this is, and, and it, there's a good part of it where she realizes it, you know, and, and, and she wants to know how to get fixed. But it's not a matter of just, um, you know, uh, wiggling your nose and magically being fixed. It's a process. And the process does involve the things we were talking about before, about learning how to, you know, honor yourself and to define your boundaries. When you see that somebody isn't honoring you and they disappear for extended periods of time, that's not honoring you. So when they enter back into your life, don't make them number one in your life because that's setting up the whole pattern of this, this negative and abusive behavior. Dr. Cirillo. Also, what does she do? You know, it's true what you're saying. Once they start disappearing and playing hard to get, you shouldn't keep chasing them. But she brought up the point that they were very wonderful and attentive. Now, a lot of times when 
a relationship first starts, the man is giving you what, what you call a rush, you know, spending money, taking you to wonderful places. And then once you become intimate, which is probably what happens when she starts falling for them, then they kind of take you for granted a little bit. It can it can go down to a uh, less of an intense level, uh, more of an equal level, but it doesn't have to mean that the person disappears because especially once men pass 30, you know, why would they want to once they've gotten the relationship, the intimacy, and been on good behavior and spent money and been their best self, why would they want to now leave the woman and have to start again with somebody else? Is something to staying in the same relationship. I'm wondering, what does she do when she starts to fall for them? Does she suddenly start demanding that they be available or making them account for their time or, you know, like, okay, now we're, we're a unit, so... Now you have to answer to me. It sounds like something she does. She appears needy or pushy or if it happens over and over as a pattern, not with one or two particular people, then then she's got to look at what does she do now that now that she's fallen for them that, that somehow scares them, pushes them away or, uh, you know, creates this pattern because she's saying it's happened like, over and I'd over. I'd like, uh, like to piggyback, actually, on what you're saying, Jean. What does she uh, do? She uh, she writes in the letter um, about the no calling and the cycle of being inconsistent, and the uh, it's I mean it's very it's, it's very poetic the way she's writing it. Um, let me see if I can find this here. Uh, let's see, sorry, I guess I uh, lost the letter here. But she starts with like uh, how they're not calling or they'll disappear for a day, weeks, or even months. But she starts with a day, one day, singular. Uh, day. So when she chose to write this letter to you guys, that was the first example she gave. And um, this isn't necessarily a male point of view, it's just a point of view of people in a budding relationship. If you don't talk for a day, that's not a big deal. It's only one day. In the end, her last paragraph, uh, the words that she uses, and, uh, and and writer, please, don't, don't take this the wrong way. I'm not uh, putting any labels on you, but you do say you, that you really want to be in love without a specific person in lump in mind. If you go into a relationship already knowing that you want to be in love, you will end up being in love no matter what. And once you force yourself to think that you're in love with someone that you probably would not have fallen, a good chances are, you know, considering the amount of people that actually fall in true love with each other, uh, maybe this wasn't the guy you would fall for. But because you want to, you might force that a little bit. So right. just be careful. Be careful. That That is a very good point. And what I'm picking up psychically is something that's tying in very, very tightly or very closely with what Frank is talking about. And I feel she could be initially, um, you know, keeping her distance and, and unsure. And really, because it feels to me at the beginning she's handling this the way we would we would recommend and suggest that you handle a relationship. She, it feels to me she takes the time to get to know them. However, it feels to me once she falls, she falls very hard, and then she gets in that needy mode. And once she's in that needy mode, it's not what attracted the guys in the first place. But I agree with Frank. You, know, when you said it better than I did about how when she gets into that needy mode, she shows a side of herself that's insecure and jealous and and, and and not the good side of herself that she showed at the beginning. 
Right, the very insecure side as well. I mean, that's what's driving the neediness is the, the, her own internal insecurity. So, again, another example where the, the only place, and I, I feel she kind of knows it because she said it in the end of her, her letter to us that she knows it's her issue, but what does she do and how does she fix it? And, again, the work is within yourself. In order to not be projecting that neediness or that intense jealousy or desire to have somebody in, in your life, you need to feel secure and good on your own. So um, she didn't mention if she's going from relationship to relationship, but my gut feeling is she is, that, you know, as soon as one is um, sort of either distant, too distant for her or as soon as, as, soon as a new um, better prospect comes along, she's going to shift that, like Frank was talking about, that desire and need to be in love from the old person to the new person, and then the cycle just starts all over again. So um, the work, unfortunately, is there's no other, there's no shortcuts to doing this kind of work. It's it's really, um, you know, work doing. I mean, you could do it on your own. You can, you know, uh, do programs. I do coaching programs. There's a million people out there. Dr. Cirillo is a um, is a therapist. So as a psychologist, so there's there's a lot of different avenues out there to get the help that you need. And it's wonderful when you're at a point in life where you realize that you have a problem and you need help. That's like, what do they say, you know, 90% of the problem resolved. Because so often what we see in any of these kinds of issues um, with, with love addiction, with fear of intimacy, and all these, these types of things is people are in denial. They don't admit that they have a problem, and they try to make everything look, they sort of try to sugarcoat everything to the outer world and make everybody think that they're in these perfect relationships, even though they're not, and they're not even close to being in a perfect relationship. So um, I, in, my, in my opinion, that, that's how you would go about fixing it. Dr. Cirillo, any final words on that one? Well, again, the final words is that love is 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 love, and and she needs to. My sense is she might have had parents where the love was possessiveness and love was fighting and demanding, and somehow she shows that side of herself once it moves to the next stage, and she's got to let go a little bit, be less possessive, be less needy, and probably then the person won't feel smothered and and he won't run away. If you don't try to hold them too tightly. That's wonderful advice. All right. Um, Frank, do you want to wind this down so we can start taking calls? Terry and Sally, thank you very much for your questions. Again, please uh, remember to uh, send us your questions. Our in-house experts, Lady Fontaine and Dr. Jean Cirillo, uh, keep in touch, uh, people who uh, send letters to night, Terry and Sally. Let us know how things turn out, please. And uh, just reminded you guys, send in your questions once again, mailbag at ladyfontaine.com. That's mailbag at ladyfontaine.com. Again, Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo will be selecting a few questions each week to answer live on each show. So once again, the phone lines are open. Please give us a call, 646-381-4141, to speak with uh, both Lady Fontaine and Dr. Jean Cirillo. And uh, how do you guys feel about starting to take some calls now? I think that's a great idea. So, who's right. first caller? First caller is actually a follow-up. Uh, this is Sandra. Ah. She called about four weeks ago uh, as a follow-up oh, on the agreement she had with her, her man. Apparently, she's not heard from him. So, uh, Sandra, are you with okay. us? I sure am. Hi. 
Hi. Well, thank you. A lot of times we tell people to call us back to let us know how something works out, and we wonder about it, and usually we don't hear from them. So it's a, pl- a positive that, that you are following up. What's going on? Well, not much, actually. <laughs> I, uh, I'll start memories about the, the dynamics and the situation. Give us a little background, and then we'll tell you what we're picking up. Absolutely. Well, we were, you know, we've been dating for probably five months. Uh, we were out on a date. And we had a disagreement. I got a little crazy with him. It didn't end well. I spoke to him the next day, apologized, uh, and he seemed to be, I mean, he spoke with me, but he wasn't really receptive to having a conversation. I let a little time go by, and, you know, I gave him another call, sent him a text apologizing, explaining you know, some of my behavior, and was hoping to have some open communication with him about, you know, where, what he was feeling and where I was at. But I never heard back from him, and it's been four weeks. So I kind of just... His first name again? I gave it to the person that was on oh, the phone. Okay. Did, they, did, um, they, did they send no, it to you or not? No, uh, Rachel... I'll give it to you. you. It's fine. No, she will in a minute. You don't... It... Okay, okay. Uh, just give but us he, one second. Go ahead. Sure. But either way, I, like, I haven't spoken to him or texted him in, in four weeks, and my last attempt was two weeks ago. And I just wanted to see what you were kind of feeling about it, um, because I hate to lose the friendship that we had before we started dating or before we became intimate. And I know he has a lot of things happening, and... Um, I don't know, I guess I feel secure enough in myself to, you know, be on my own, so I'm definitely not needy or pushy, but, like, I don't know, I guess I feel bad about... You would like it if this one thing didn't destroy the relationship, and, you know, that depends how much equity you have in the relationship. Sometimes somebody's only in it like they would be with an acquaintance for the good side, and other times their feelings have a little more depth, and, uh, you know, if he's willing to throw it away at the first fight you had, what would happen if you had, let's say, five years invested instead of five months? Maybe you're better off finding that out now because you want somebody a little bit for better and for worse. And this guy sounds like he's only in it for better, the way I would pick up on this. Right. Yeah, well, no, I thought about that. I actually thought about that, and I was like, you know, that's a little strange. I mean, just to down communications. <laughs> right, with the, with the first thing. I mean, you know, the, the, the reality of the situation, Sandra, is that, you know, we're all human beings and we all make mistakes. Um, sure. and, and truly one apology or one explanation is ample. Uh, you know, right. and, and I don't, if, if you choose to reach out to him again, which I suggest that you do not, and incidentally they have given me the name, so I do, I'm already picking up on his energy and I'll tell you about it in a minute. But if you choose to reach out to him, which we don't recommend that you do, do not offer any more apologies. You've apologized. No, I'm done. Right. I'm done with the apology. I mean, I, I apologize sincerely literally three times. I think that's, right. that's way right. ample for me. That's enough right. for my soul. <laughs> I mean, you, didn't, you didn't beat him up physically or anything, did you? 
No. Okay. No. Okay, no, because I was going to say, if there was something, that would be the only reason why it might not be acceptable if you did something that was so intense or so aggressive that, that, that then it would be a sign that you needed help uh, no. for any relationship. But if it was just an oversight or something small, then certainly, yeah, one, one apology is enough. What are you going to do? On, on a scale need? of 1 to 10, Dr. Cirillo, it feels to me to be around a 4 or 5. In the, really in the true reality of things. I know to Sandra it feels bigger, and obviously to him it feels huge. Otherwise, he wouldn't have stepped away from things. But right. um, it, in energy, it doesn't feel like that. And I don't mean to minimize it in, in any way, shape, or form. But it's it's nowhere near, you know, her physically being abusive or hitting okay. really below the belt in any way, shape, or form. It doesn't feel that. I think I probably okay, triggered I, I something. I bring that up, even though yeah. it's, a, it's a woman and a man, because either way, sometimes a relationship is, has such negativity to it, and one person keeps apologizing, and, and and you're doing the right thing by running away. She doesn't sound like that type of person, though, and, no. and that's not no. the situation. No, so, well, no I don't feel, I, I feel it's, it's, more, it's more with him, I, and, and I know Sandra was starting to say she knows she triggered something, and that's, that truly is exactly what's going on here. You mm-hmm. know, I feel that he has past relationships that were very, um, you know, just like high drama kind of relationship. Yeah. And and it's like the, the slightest thing. It's almost like he looks for it. He actually seeks it out so he has an excuse. Because talk about fear of intimacy. This guy's got that situation <laughs> going for time. He truly does. Um, yeah. So I, 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 I was kind of sensing that. I was sensing that. Yeah, so so in a way, and I, you know, it's not our place to say you're better off, but better that you, you see this, this behavior up front. Um, I'm still not 100% convinced that he's fully done um, with this, but, uh, you know, I don't remember exactly what the energy felt like when we spoke a month ago or so, but certainly um, if I was reading the energy for the first time today, I would say the guy is pulled back a lot. The way he manages his own emotions here is he builds it into a much bigger scenario than it truly is, um, Mm -hmm. and he builds it up in his head in such a way to make it, make it sort of like, you know, where it's unapproachable, like where he can't back down from it. And he feels to me that he has the ability to be quite stubborn with things. Um, so it, it's sort of like, you know, a triple, you know, a triple doozy against you here. But it still kind of feels to me um, it's not coming through strong, but it has the potential that this guy is going to reach out to you. If he does reach out to you, it feels to me it will be between now and the very beginning of November. When I say the very beginning, I mean within the first couple of days of November. Um, truly, if he doesn't within that time frame, I would say he's not going to. And then you're going to have to deal with, you know, how it is that you want to move on. Because don't try your best not to continue to inv- uh, invest a lot of time and effort into somebody who's not giving you anything back. I know for you it's the closure bit. You're not able to at least give him, give him you know, a full explanation as far as what and why and how and, and dialogue with, like adults, but that's his limitation. It's not yours. You're so right about the dialogue like adults. I mean, I think what I'm, I was brought up morally correct, so to me it just feels like when somebody says to you that something is serious, you know, I'm I'm the first to admit when I'm wrong, and I'd love to be able to have a conversation and say, geez, like, I'm so sorry that I hurt you in which way, and at least understand that. 
so that moving forward in any relationship, maybe I would be a little bit more aware of maybe things I say or do. Um, but I do feel like he built it up just as an excuse. Yeah. Well, you don't know, that, kick yourself too hard. I get the sense you're kicking yourself, saying, if only I hadn't said that or done that, you know, we might still be together. Because my sense is that if it hadn't been that, it would have been, been something else. I mean, you can't walk on eggs for somebody in a long-term relationship. Well, um, I I do agree. You know, like I said, if he's going to call, he's going to call between now and November, the first week of November. Um, If it goes beyond that, then think about yourself more so than him. All right, Sandra? All right. Um, Who is our next caller? Uh Uh-oh, wait. I can't hardly hear you, Frank. Who is our next caller, Frank? Our uh, next caller is Linda. Linda wants to know if she will reunite with Paul or someone new coming soon. Linda, are you on the air? Yes. Yes. Hello. Linda. Hi. Hi, Minnie. Hi, Linda. How are you? Hi there. Thanks for taking my call. I'm fine. I'm enjoying the show. Uh, and if I can make a comment on the topic tonight, because um, I was, I've um, about uh, love addiction. You know, it happens to be in a relationship. I can finally say uh, I am. I used to be like that, but when you start working on yourself, naturally uh, respect comes in for yourself, and you start thinking the things you want and you don't want, and you just don't settle for something just to have it. Bravo, bravo! Mm-hmm. And it's, it's it's really a matter of awareness, gaining that awareness, admitting to yourself what's going on and taking it from there. So good for you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're, you're certainly on the path to, you know, of, of, of really healing yourself and seeing things in a different way. So tell us how we can help you tonight. Um, I've known Paul for uh, many of years, uh, and what attracts me to him is uh, I, I love intelligence. He's, he's an intelligent man. He's a gentle soul. He's not a... He doesn't um, have any violent tendencies. Um, he speaks to people with respect. and But he's very afraid of being in a relationship. He's 58 years old. He's never been married. And um, there's an attraction there. He admitted it to me. There's an attraction. We've stayed friends. I've helped him with his mother. His mother was ill before she passed. And then we started getting very close where we were talking a couple of times a week, uh, we went out for dinner for his birthday, and he said to me at the end of the night, he goes, I, I'm, I'm almost there, Linda. In other words, trying to get over that hurdle of the fear and get into commitment. Because I've never pressured him, let's be in a commitment. I've always went with the flow because I don't want somebody if I have to pressure them. And uh, I was just talking to him. I'm talking to you. I don't actually under- remember the whole thing. But I said something in the effect, whatever, and I... I said, oh, I didn't mean to sound sarcastic saying that. And he goes, that's it. I can't handle this. This is getting too complicated. And then I started talking again, and then he swore at me, and I was shocked. And I said, boy, is this your true colors? He called me back. He apologized. He said, I don't speak like that, especially like that to women. I don't know if he left out of fear or... Well, I believe it's it's fear or he just didn't want the relationship. I'm not 100% sure either. Well, he warned me that he had dangers in intimacy and, and uh, 
but he was hoping he could handle it and for you to be patient, and then somehow the fear got to him, and he showed the worst side, hoping you'd run away so he wouldn't have to uh, deal with it. You know, 58, never married. Uh, he's trying, but he, he's having a hard time. He spent quite a lifetime taking care of mom and breaking that bond. He's still mourning the loss of mom, and but, you know, he never seems to have really gotten fully involved with another woman. You know his history better than I do, but that's the sense I get. Well, let me say hey, He was involved, uh, Dr. Jean, with Because I feel that. He's had a woman. Right. I feel he had a it, – it, uh, you said he was married, never married, but it feels to me he was either engaged or in a long-standing relationship. And I feel that there it, – it didn't work out, and he got his heart broken big time. And even before that, I, I feel such major abandonment issues in this guy that it's, it's like, you know, he's tippy-toeing through his life, almost afraid to feel anything for fear that he's going to lose in the end. But there was a major, major upset for him in this one long – either it was a long-standing relationship or somebody that he was madly in love with, where he really allowed himself to feel. And he got hurt big time, and he's just afraid to go there. He's not just afraid, he's petrified. He's terrified of going there again. So he's, I would say, truly shut down – um, I would say, you know, 85%, 90%, a huge amount. And when he said to you that, oh, he's almost there, uh-uh-uh, he's not even close. I mean, not even close, Linda. I mean, he's just not. Um, so he's got more work to do on himself. I don't feel, from a psychic perspective, I don't feel the outburst was, um, was well, I, I shouldn't say that because... Uh, Dr. Cirillo, with abandonment issues, people test you and they do tend to push you away. So this way you're not, you're, you know, you're, he's not left holding the bag. So in a way I can't yeah, say that yeah. he didn't initiate something intentionally, but it doesn't feel to me that it was intentional. You know, if anything, it's coming from his point of weakness. But I do feel he felt bad about it. I don't feel that he's a, a rough, tough, mean, horrible man. I don't. I feel he's... Uh, actually a very, very nice guy he comes through with, with a lot of um, sensitivity and a lot of caring. He just He's just afraid to move forward in a relationship. He's afraid to be vulnerable. He's too sensitive and right. too caring and too soft because, I don't know, maybe it sounds like his father wasn't in the picture and somehow everything was for him to take care of mom and he's had a lot of disappointment in his life and then he had a good relationship and if it fell through, you know, if you come from a, a secure family and you feel that you're basically loved and you have people behind you, you can handle it when a relationship goes sour or when somebody betrays you. But when you don't have that cushion from your family of origin, that's where you become so sensitized that at the first bad relationship, you know, you develop the shell and you become the turtle that crawls into it, even if you realize you're uncomfortable and you want to stick your head out. And I, I think that's how he is, big time. Um, did, yes, he you about, did he tell you about that relationship, though, that I'm picking up? I mean, to me, it feels like a major heartbreak. Yes, and, you know, and it, it kind of, um, it would make me, uh, on one of our dates, uh, we were talking about her, and he said, did you ever see an angel? He was referring to the woman as an angel, and I just felt awful. I felt 
you know, like how can I compare to an angel? Um, the, the woman took took him for everything, everything where he broke down because he's an extremely intelligent man, an educated man, that he actually wanted to kill himself, and that well, you know, the devil, not an angel. <laughs> the way I no, no, I know, but he but when he talks about her, I agree with you, Doctor Jean. Uh, and as far as the abandonment, yeah. put her on a pedestal. And sometimes I would think when he was having a conversation to me, I would listen really with with real in, intense, very, very intense conversation I have with him. And I would listen, and sometimes I think he would trump her up as more than what she was just to have the pity pot. Because he, he's actually gotten himself in a syndrome of the, the pity pot, like poor me. And one time I got a little angry with him, and I said, Paul, I lost somebody that died, and I loved him dearly, which I did. He died at a young age, and I, you know, you have to move on. And I just felt that, you know, sometimes I, I just couldn't compare to this woman. Okay, but you have, you obviously have an inner sense of security that came from the way you were brought up, that when you lost somebody, you were what we say wounded, but not slain. You could pick yourself Well, it took up. me 10 years of therapy because I really loved that man. I did not. I had okay. to work on this myself because I really loved this man. Was He was he, he was a, a beam of white light. Uh, when Jerry passed, oh, wow. um, I wouldn't even look at anybody for 10 years. I was so in love with this man. Yeah, any new person has to compete with somebody who's no longer alive, so they're automatically elevated to being perfect. And, uh, you know, he's done this with somebody that's still alive. But, yeah, when you're widowed, sometimes that happens. The new wife, the new husband, the new girlfriend or boyfriend can never compete with, with that. And that that's what anybody who you get involved with is up against. But it still sounds like you have a sense that you as a person are okay. You know, it, it's sad that this guy died, but he didn't reject you. Something happened and he, he's not around anymore. And you're hurting for him, but it's, it's not only in his case missing the person, his self-esteem, the fact that this woman took him for everything. Sometimes people use insecure people like him, and they do take advantage. I, he's got those kind of issues which have to do with self-esteem. It's more than just uncomplicated bereavement. Just so you know, I wasn't bringing up Jerry to say uh, minimize his pain. I was bringing it up to let him know we we all go through the heartache uh, in relationships sometimes, and we have to work it out. Is that's what I was trying to? I was trying. I really was a good friend to him. Uh, I, I I really did try to help him, and I've always had his best interest at heart. So when he swore at me, right. I, right. It, it hurt me deeply. Yeah. Um. But, you know, and, and I'm, I'm not saying that you, I'm not trying to minimize that at all because um, that's disrespectful. But um, you want, I just want to make a comment to one thing that you had said, and then we do have to move on to our next caller. You had said that, you know, he, he tends to like to, you know, be this martyr or, or whatnot with, with the pain that he's in. I just feel he's so consumed with it, and he has so much inner work to do before he's going to be able to be functional either in a true friendship or even in a romance so um, he's not ready he's got stuff that he needs to do I don't feel it's over with you guys though at all I mean I really really don't I know that it's, there's space in here right now but I do feel 
um, he's not one that's going to walk away from this or let you go. But I know we have a bunch of other callers here, and we do have to move on. So um, I know Frank left us. Rachel, who is our next caller? We have Sandra. She wants to know how her relationship with Bob is going to progress. Okay. Sandra. Hi. 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 How are you? (laughs) Oh, I'm happy to talk with you. Thank you. Oh, good, good. So tell us a little bit about what's going on. Um, Well, the relationship I have with Bob is he does – we're sweethearts, and we've been sweethearts for a while, and – and he has been financially supporting me in this time of me looking to secure a job. And I wonder, sometimes it's stressful between us. Uh, He wonders when I'll be pulling in income, and sometimes it's not. Recently, today, this morning, we had a, um, a conflict, and it was on that issue of, you know, when will I become employed, when will I start bringing in money kind of thing. And I just wondered, do you see us um, surviving this? And I, I, I do. I think. I, I do. To me, um, there is a, uh, there, there's a lot still there. I, unfortunately, and, I, and Dr. Cirillo will probably be able to give you, you know, more, more in, insight into this aspect of it. But, you know, money issues are a big problem in any relationship. They just are. And most marriages end because of money issues. So the, the stress and the, 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 the residue and the baggage that goes along with that is pretty severe for any relationship. But I honestly feel a lot of, um, a lot of just strength in this relationship between the two of you. To me, it feels like um, you're going to be able to survive this. I do feel some more shaky times coming up. Um, but what I almost want to say is I'm feeling, and this would be a normal reaction, that when he says this kind of stuff that um, you get defensive. And what I almost want to suggest is if you soft, if you get very soft with him and, you know, either start to cry and say, well, you know, I, I know I'm so upset about this, or just say to him, I understand, rather than trying to defend your position because I feel then you guys get into a tug-of-war discussion and it goes downhill from there. Um, And that's all. Honestly, when I look at your energies, that's the only thing I'm seeing that's really holding you guys um, apart from each other is this challenge of really learning how to manipulate through the situations like this. I feel it always becomes a tug-of-war argument. And, I mean, Dr. Cirillo might have a different feel for this, but I feel your best approach is just, you know, this is one one area like I talked about at the beginning of the show with the three C's, communication uh, and compromise. To me, talk about it and compromise. Let him have his way. I know I'm, I'm trying. I'm heartbroken. Um, things aren't working out, you know, blah, 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 blah. Play the victim if you have to, and I'm never one to say that. But for this particular situation, don't do, don't get into a tug of war because that's what it feels to me that you're doing. Is that what happens when you guys start having an argument over it? You are right, and I put a lot of energy into uh, bringing in a job. You know, I, I talk to a lot of companies. I'm out there. I'm volunteering. I'm working hard. Do you see anything coming to fruition? Because I think. I believe that when that happens, it will really change between us in a positive way. 
Yeah, I mean, I you want feel- a job too. It's not only he, you know, he he has the sense that you might be living off him, or you know, are you taking advantage? But it sounds like sometimes the way the two of you are fighting, what will happen is when you become financially independent, that could negatively impact the relationship. You've got to make not having a job as something you both want to change. You know, like that's the outside situation, and the two of you are going to work together to deal with it rather than work against each other. So how would they yeah. do that? How would that play out, Dr. Cirillo? Well, you know, does he have any ideas? What what can she do in the meantime? Is there something that would help financially? I don't, I don't know if you're in dire straits financially or if he can well afford to support you. Uh, you know, with money, usually when you don't have enough, that's when you kind of get out of each other's throats and resent each other. Is there enough money, let's say, if you didn't work? Um, he's financially well off, but for some reason, uh, you know, I just, I'm not sure what, uh, you know, he's, he's, I don't know. You know, I'm just grateful that I do get the support. He doesn't want to have to support you forever and for you to get that comfortable and, you know, he's, he's insecure about that, uh. So, you know, you've got to make it look. You need his support, and and uh, you, you're trying your best. You have to feel good about yourself, so you're not going to go out there with a good attitude. You're going to go out there with need and lack, uh, and, and you need him to work with you on this. See, and I feel that um, he was pushed very, very hard as a, as a kid. He, uh, to me, it feels by his dad, um, but it could just be the family dynamics, and he he sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for, equates, you know, um, all this good stuff with being successful. And when you, when you don't have a job or you're not in that position, it feels to me that it's almost like it, 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 he, it, there's a disrespectful kind of feeling that's coming from him. This is his own shortcomings. It has nothing to do with you. Um, it's, it's, it's really, I mean, he needs to learn compassion you know, when dealing with somebody. I mean, it's not like you're, you're, you know, a bum just hanging out and living off of him. I mean, you're trying your best to get a job. And that's kind of why I'm saying play the sympathy card here, and there's probably a, a, a better, more centered or grounded way of doing it than what I'm verbalizing here. But I don't want you to do the tug of war because it feels like you can't reason with him when he's, when he's in that frame of mind. He evaluates, or, or what's the word I'm looking for? He... Um, you know, his, his idea of, of success and happiness and everything equates with having a good job. Yeah. Is that not true? Do you see, do you, do you see that changing this month? Um, for, for a job for you, the job, and, and this is a weird time, and, and hear me through on this, the job for you is in December. But what I'm actually feeling is an opportunity. Are you at least looking at any sort of, short-term, either consulting or contract or anything like that, because I feel there's an opportunity for you to get something. Um, still yes to me. all of that. Yes okay. to all of that. I'm hustling my bustle out there. I'm just, you know, Ooh. doing everything. I'm, I'm volunteering. I'm, I'm putting proposals in. I'm, you know, letting people know, you know, when they like my work, well, you know, it's certainly available on an ongoing basis. And, these are the contractual terms. You know, I'm just, I'm doing everything. I even bring him along on some of these things to show him, you know, to give evidence. You should have to prove yourself, though, to him. 
You shouldn't. And that's something that that's part of defining your boundaries and saying, you know, and in, 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 in letting them know that, you know, you're doing what you need to do to and, and let them know it's as important to you as it is to him. But, you know, what concerns me is this kind of pressure on you. Um, which this isn't your fault that you're out of work. You're not taking advantage of a situation or living off of, you know, him or the government or anything like that because you're lazy. I mean, then I could see him reacting the way he is. But um, this is, you know, unfortunately in this economy, a lot of people are faced with things. Um, To answer your question, um, to me it feels by mid-October, so you still have several weeks to a month, um, a short-term opportunity will come up for you. Now, either that short-term opportunity, if it's consulting or contracting, is going to spin off into something longer term that feels to me as great, or um, you will around the sometime in December, which is a weird time for somebody to start a job, but it kind of feels to me December, the job, a very spectacular job opportunity that pays well is going to be coming up for you. So try to keep your focus on, on things of that nature. Um, define your boundaries with him, and don't play the tug of war, and you'll be fine with him. All right. You're both hitting it right on the nose. Um, when the doctor was talking about he being afraid of me leaving, you know, when I become, you know, that has come up, and I try to reassure him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that, what he's saying, in effect, is, am I just a meal ticket? Because he has low self-esteem, and he has experience, or he has a woman just using him for his money. So he wants to be reassured that you do love him as a person and that you love yourself enough to want to be employed. All right. Well, we're just about running out of time. I would like to take one more call. Let us know how things work out with you, though, okay? All right. Um, Who is our next caller? We have Betty Jo. She has been in a few relationships over the summer, and she is looking to find the right relationship and find out what love is. Okay, Betty Jo. Betty Jo. Hi, Betty Jo. Hi, Betty Jo. Are you with us? Did we lose Betty Jo? She probably, Betty Jo? No, I'm sorry. Just a moment. We're having technical difficulties. Okay. Oh, boy, the spirits and the demons. Uh, hey, I'll Mercury. tell you, tonight. <laughs> yeah, tonight there really is Mercury out of retrograde yet? It, yeah, it did today or I think yesterday it went direct. So Just hopefully these problems won't be here next Maybe week. that's the reason. Um, Betty Jo, do we have you on the line yet? All right, Betty Jo? All right, I think we don't have her still on the phone. Yeah, yeah. Betty, we'll try one more time. Betty Jo? All right. Unless Hello? she's just lurking and listening. All right, we um, because them. we're running so low on time, I would like to take another caller. Betty Jo? All right, we do have to move on to our next caller. Um, Rachel? Uh, we have Christina. She broke up with a gentleman named Jerry about three months ago. She'd been with him for three years. She wants to find out what's coming up, if she's going to reunite with him, or if there's somebody new out there for her. Okay, okay. Christina. Thank you for taking my call. Hi, Christina. I'm so glad I got to get in with you. 
um, I know that we're running short of time, but to, in a nutshell, um, I did break up with him. I There was just a lot of things that were, as you were talking, you know, I felt like he wasn't stepping up, and I'm like, you know, this just can't continue like this. And I, I know that if, if he hadn't come around in three months, I need to let go, but I feel him really, really heavy. I I feel him, his energy, I feel him very, still very connected spiritually, I guess, is better ways. And even I've dreamt him to where I felt like it's real. So I just wanted to know, is, are we going to speak again? Or if you can give me any insight, it would be great. All right. Um, you know, to me, it, it almost feels like you guys have had, um, I don't know, cycles in, in your relationship in this three-year period that you were seeing each other. And, and uh, you know, I do feel that it, it, it feels to me that it was going sort of downhill with his, him not appreciating you and not really focusing his time or attention on you. I mean, a lot of the things we were talking about at the early part of the show about, um, you know, not, not valuing, not finding the time, not honoring you. And that's really what it felt like. It felt very much like he was taking you for granted. Um, but I still, I do feel a connection, not as strong as what you're talking to me about, um, but I do feel you on his mind, and I do feel obviously he's still on your mind. Um, to answer your question, are you guys totally finished, or are you going to hear from him again? Um, what's coming up for me is October 15th, so my gut feeling is that's the, the, the longest it's going to take for him to either step forward or um, try to take steps back towards you. And it kind of feels to me that he's going to take a very casual approach, meaning he's going to more be curious how you're doing, want to touch base, sort of like, you know, testing the water, um, more so than, than coming forward and saying, well, you know, I, I've made a big mistake and, you know, I, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. It kind of doesn't feel to me he's going to approach it that way. But it does have the potential of you guys, you know, getting back together. I'm going to let Dr. Cirillo in a minute talk about um, the impact of just cruising back into a relationship like that. But you did ask me about somebody else, and I just want to mention what I pick up in your energy. When I look forward, there's somebody that jumps out so strongly in your energy, and I'm feeling the time frame you would meet this person is February of next year. And it feels to me the latter part of February, probably the last two to three days in February or the very maybe the first day or two in March, um, I, it's a totally different kind of relationship than you have right now with Jerry. Um, the, the whole connection, everything is different. And I know that you're, you had with Jerry, and I could feel it, a very, um, I want to say profound kind of relationship with him at the beginning. And I could feel it. it, was, it was, there was a lot of intensity in there. Um, this new guy that I feel is coming into your life, I feel it's going to be like that but different. When I say different, it just feels to me to be a little bit more grounded and a little bit more um, grounded and rounded, you know, meaning that it's, it's sort of covering every aspect, you know, the spiritual, the emotional, the physical, and more, you know, almost like those things that you can't even explain, but they're there. Mm -hmm. And that's what I feel. It's, it's like support, and that's what my guys are saying to me. Um, and I don't know that Jerry ever was that level of really being that, that – that, that 
that background support for you, but I feel the potential with this new person coming into your life that he would assume that role. He would be there, you know, that you would know that he's always there. And I don't feel that with Jerry. I kind of feel you guys were together and you cruised along with things, but it was different. You know, it was more that cruising along than, than having that that constant support. Is that not true? You have, you have to be careful not to be stuck in one relationship that you like certain aspects. When you move on to the next, every relationship is different, and you can't expect to pick up with the new relationship where you left off with the old, and you can't expect it to be exactly like the old. There will be some things that are better and some things that are not quite as good or not quite as well-developed, and, and you have to be willing to accept that. That's the danger with being so stuck in the way it was. Yeah. Well, and I agree what you were saying. I think he knew I was going to always be there, but I never had that security, so to speak. Um, and I did go along with it for the most part. But I, I think finally in June, I was just like, okay, enough. You can't keep doing this and taking me for granted. And I don't think he took me serious, and so here we are three months now, because I know that he doesn't know what to tell me. Like, he knows what he did. And so I, I can resonate to what you're saying. And I do agree. I know that i got to let go, but I just feel him so strongly. That's why I'm like, is he going to come back, or is it something that I just need to get over and let go, or... Well, the best thing for you to do is let go. That doesn't mean that it's fully over, but with you holding on to it, you actually slow down from a spiritual and energy standpoint. You actually slow down the process of when is he actually going to come back. I don't feel that you guys have fully run your course. I really, really don't. Um, But my gut feeling is even if you guys get back together, it doesn't feel to me that it's going to be tremendously different than what it was. It feels to me to be very much a going through the motions kind of thing. I feel you guys are used to being together, and it, that within it kind of gives you some level of security by just having that person there. But um, I feel within your energy, uh, you know, a, a huge level of you not getting what you need in the relationship. So um, I do feel he will re-enter your life, and and or or he's going to let it be known that he either wants to give this another shot or he wants to talk to you about things. Um, but it doesn't feel to me that it's going to be significant. Plays out. We're just about out of time. Um, we have less than a minute to go. So I want to encourage you if you want to give a call back next week, um, just let Rachel, who answers the call, calls, know that we were in mid-sentence when the show ended, and I'll be happy to pick up where we left off. All right? All right. Um, we have a couple of closings. Don't so forget to visit ahead. Lady Fontaine's website at ladyfontaine.com to learn more about her or to schedule a private reading or life coaching session. Lady Fontaine is an internationally known psychic and life coach. You can also follow Lady Fontaine on Twitter, Facebook, and NING for her latest announcements. Also, please visit our show page on Blog Talk Radio for details on all of our co-hosts along with their contact. Please visit our show page on Blog Talk Radio for details on all of our co-hosts along with their contact information. Be sure to send your questions to mailbag at ladyfontaine.com to have your questions answered live on the air by Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo. 
Well, our time is up. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Any callers that did not get on the air tonight, please give us a call back next week, and we will talk to you soon. Have a wonderful week, everybody. Have, uh, have a wonderful night. Good night, all.